Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The Grinch. The Grinch who stole Christmas. The Grinch. The Grinch who gave Philip his shirt. I'm telling you right now, that's the Grinch. Ring the bell. There you go. It was originally made in 1966. Now, if you know the premise of this first cartoon, um, later on it was a remake with Jim Carrey in 2000, but it was based on the book by the famous Dr. Seuss. Now, let me give you the plot, and if you haven't seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas, cover your ears, because this is definitely a spoiler, okay? I'm just telling you right now. So inside, a snowflake exist a magical land of Whoville. In Whoville live the Who's, who almost a mutated sort of munchkin-like people, all the Who's love Christmas. Yet, just outside their beloved Whoville lives the Grinch. The Grinch is a nasty creature that hates Christmas, and he plots to steal it away from the Who's, which which he equally hates. Rejected by the Who's as a child, and living in a spiteful seclusion for most of his life. His main purpose, the Grinch, was to steal Christmas from the Who's. The Grinch, feeling worse than ever, decides, that's it this year. He'll stop Christmas from coming. How? By dressing as Santa and stealing it. Fashioning a sled, he and his dog, Max, return to Whoville and make off with all the gifts and festive trimmings. Taking everything on top of Mount Crumpet, he plans to just drop it over the edge. And yet, he ends up not stealing Christmas at all. Now, for the sake of our time, in the end, the Grinch stands up and says, Christmas is not about ribbons and bows, presents and boxes. And bags, it's about, well, you see, the Grinch really, really never knew the meaning of Christmas. But through the word of God, you and I, at Calvary Chapel in 2023, we know. For the word of God declares the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning. For you see... I get that you and I are not who's living in Whoville. But the Bible does declare to you and I that we are the whosoevers. See, in the book of John, in the New King James, in the King James Version, in John 3, 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, you're not a who, you're a whosoever. You're a whosoever. We are whosoevers, and because we're whosoevers, we know the real meaning of Christmas. Can I get a good amen? Then who is the real meaning of Christmas? What is the real meaning of Christmas? It's seven days away. What is the real meaning? Well, I get it. It's shopping. We've got to shop for that perfect present. No, Ben, that's not what it is. Well, it's mistletoe. It's it's the presents, it's the family, it's the tree, it's the tinsel, if anybody ever has tinsel on their tree. That stuff gets caught up in the vacuum, by the way. Don't put tinsel on your tree. 
No, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I have to remind myself, I'm, listen, I'm the preacher preaching to you, and I'm like, oh, it's only a week away. It's about Jesus. Now listen, church, you know this, but we don't celebrate a day. We celebrate, come on, an, an event of epic proportion. As a matter of fact, you and I, we should be celebrating today. Today. We should be celebrating tomorrow. And for those of you who are going to buy me a gift, thank you so much. Go ahead and bring it to me tomorrow. <laughs> and Tuesday. And Wednesday. And, and the person who put a, a gift on my desk, thank you. Hint, hint. Now, I've been saying this for 20 years, and I only get about a couple of gifts. Come on, y'all. Now, for the record, I say that we should celebrate today or tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, but, but really, the reason I say that is because we don't know what day Jesus was born. We, don't, we, we really don't know. We have a one in 365. It could be this day. That's not the point. The point is we're celebrating an event that changed our lives. We also know, check this out, we know that there were more than three wise men. Did you know that? Although the Bible only mentions three gifts, there were more than three wise men. See, Hallmark took it upon themselves to say, well, there must have only been three because there were only three gifts. I didn't know there was more wise men. Are you kidding me? I thought there was only three. There wasn't a little drummer boy, just in case you wanted to know. He wasn't parampa pam pam or any of that stuff. I understand, and I'm walking with you in the fact that there will be people that will look at this day and call it pagan. December 25th, it's pagan. But let me put it like this, and maybe this is something you could tell them. If you and I adopted a son from a third world country orphanage, and they didn't know what day this little boy was born, wouldn't you celebrate a birthday for him? Even if, the, even if it's the day you brought him home, we would. He would always have a birthday. We would make it up. We'd go, okay, we're going to pick this day. Because you would say in your heart, my son is going to have a birthday. And on that birthday, we know he's going to be 8, 9, 10, whatever it might be. You go, wow, think about that. What's important, church, and you've got to grasp this, is not the day, but the fact that Jesus was born. That's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate. The focus of Christ is supposed to be the celebration of the birth of the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was born to live and die for our sins, so that by accepting the risen Son, we may live eternally with him. Now, I want you to jot this down if you're a fast note taker, because I think it's epic. You go, what do you mean? The cradle makes the cross possible. And the cross makes the cradle memorable. The cradle makes the cross possible. And the cross will always make this time of year memorable. This is really our heart. This is really our heart. 
And so today, I've entitled this message, The Grinch Who Almost Stole Christmas. Why? Because today we discovered that Herod wanted to keep Christmas from coming. And if you read the story, which we will in just a minute, he almost succeeded. But God, everybody say, but God. But God said he knew we needed a savior. And neither the Grinch at Whoville or Herod or anyone else has stopped Christmas from coming. That's what we can celebrate today. So what we're going to do, let's read together verses 1 through 20, and then we'll come back and we'll dissect it. You guys ready? Matthew chapter 2, picking it up in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now it doesn't say three, does it, church? So we have some wise guys saying, Where is he who has been born, what are they calling him, king of the Jews? For we have seen the star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah? Far out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Well, then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed and behold, a star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over them where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, mirth. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are, are dead. This is the word of the Lord. Now notice with me. Notice with me here, guys, this reaction to Christmas. Notice, in verse 1, go back, let's make some comments. 
It says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of who? Herod the king. Herod the king. That's important, okay? Because I want to focus in on Herod for just a moment. I want you to look and see Herod's reaction. Why? Well, you can write next to this here in verse 1, is that he was the original Grinch who tried to steal Christmas. Herod was. You go, he was. Yeah, now now I want to... I want to paint a picture here of Herod so you get an idea of who this guy was, okay? You see, we just read in the text that what? That he just got so, he flipped out that he just said, all the male children, two years old, kill them all. And what kind of king would do this? And now he's not really king in a kingly sense. We'll, we'll look at this, but I want you to just feel the weight of the text for just a second. Who is this Herod? Who is this Herod? Well, he's known as Herod the First or Herod the Great. He was born in 73 BC and he died in 4 BC. He died in Jericho. He was, now check this out, he was a Roman client client king of Judea. Herod is known for his colossal building projects in Jerusalem and other parts of the ancient world, including the rebuilding of the second temple in Jerusalem. And it's now sometimes referred to as Herod's temple. This is the guy. Okay, so there he is. Who was Herod? Well, Herod was a pro-Roman king of the small Jewish state in the last decades before Jesus was born. He started his career as a general, in, but the Roman statesman, Mark Antony, recognized him as the Jewish national leader. During the war against the Parthians, Herod was removed from the scene, but the Roman Senate made him a king and gave him soldiers to seize the throne. As a friend and ally of the Romans, he was not truly an independent king. However, Rome allowed him a domestic policy of his own. And although Herod tried to respect the pious feelings of his subjects, many of them were not content with his rule, which ended in terror. He was succeeded by his sons. Now listen to what Josephus says. Now there's a point to this. Josephus wrote that Herod's final illness, sometimes named as Herod's evil, was excruciating. From Josephus' description, some medical experts proposed that Herod had chronic kidney disease complicated by foreigners' gangrene. Modern scholars agree that he suffered, now listen, throughout his lifetime from massive depression and paranoia. So part of the dreams. Now, more recently, It was reported that visible worms and putrefaction described his final days and are likely to have been scabies. This can explain his death, but also can account for his psychiatric symptoms. Josephus also stated that he was concerned that no one would mourn his death. So what does he do? Herod gives orders to have distinguished men killed at the time of his death so that it displays grief that he craved would take place. You go, what did he do? He said, listen, when I die, I want you to go kill all of these prominent men so we can hear the cry and the people would think he's mourning, they're mourning for me. Okay? Now, again, I want you to feel the weight of the text because because he's going to do something. Listen, Herod was just super insecure. His insecurity, what what he did is the first thing he did is he he first gave orders um, for his brother-in-law and high priest to be killed. 
His name was Aristobulus. And while answering the charge of murder, did you do this in Egypt? He, he gave the order to his uncle, Joseph, that if he should die, then his wife and her, and her mother to be executed. Herod managed to talk his way out of the murder charge, but on his return to Jerusalem, found out that his wife had learned his arrangement with Joseph. So you understand the picture. He tells Joseph, he goes, listen, I'm not sure if I'm going to beat the rap. They got murder on me. If, if, if they kill me for murder, then kill my wife and kill her mother. Kill my mother-in-law. That's what he's saying. He's like, okay, but he beat the rap. And so he's like, okay. So all of a sudden, his wife learned of the arrangement with Joseph. Joseph comes and tells him. Leanless to say, her name was Mariamne, and it was none too pleased to hear of the arrangement. Can you imagine? Hey, listen, uh, Pastor Ben's being locked up for jail. Listen, if I don't make it out of jail, kill Nathalie and, uh, and her mom. She's going to be like, are you serious? Wow, I thought he loved me. Herod was so paranoid that he began to wonder why Joseph told his wife. And he came to the wrong conclusion. He says, you know what? My uncle Joseph and my wife are having an affair. Am I having an affair? In fact, Joseph actually told her the plan to demonstrate Herod's love for her. However, despite the total lack of evidence, Joseph was executed. So you didn't mess around with Herod. However, despite the total lack of evidence... Uh, Joseph was executed. Herod was very much in love with his wife, but with jealous accusations from other wives and Mary's increasing coldness towards him, guess what? He eventually persuaded himself to have her executed too. He regretted it straight away and became filled with guilt, making himself mentally and physically ill. Thinking that Herod was about to die, Alexandria Miramri's mother made arrangements to put Herod's children by Miamri, Alexander, and Aristobulus on the throne. So he named the child. So he's got two boys thinking Herod's going to die. I've got to get my sons in charge. She too was then executed for her presumption. Herod had 10 wives altogether towards the end of Herod's life. Antipater, the eldest son, by the first wife, began to realize that he was not favored, probably because he was named Antipater, I don't know, but nonetheless, he wasn't going to get the throne. He was deeply jealous of who? Of He was deeply jealous of Alexander and Astrobulus. Guess what happened? Believing Herod, he had them both executed too. Antipater must have thought he got away with it, but just before Herod died, Antipater was executed as well. Accused of trying to accelerate his death. Signing Antipater's death warrant, Augustus Caesar remarked that he would rather be Herod's pig than Herod's sons. This is the guy who was in charge when Jesus was born. Now, why do I tell you this? I want you to feel, again, think about who Herod was at this time. He was paranoid. He was depressed. Psychiatric, pal, he would just, he, man, if you, if you looked, I mean, can you imagine? 
Now, the Bible doesn't say, so I'm going to step over here to, to just give me your opinion. But can you imagine if one of his other wives burned the toast? Well, she no longer lives. What happened? She burned the toast. I mean, that's how crazy he was. If you looked at him wrong, if you looked, I mean, can, can you imagine? I mean, I'd just be like, man, you're the uncle of the, here's your nephew. And you're like, that's my nephew. He's, he's, and then he has you killed. Because he thinks you're having an affair, and he's all, it's all wrong, but it's just in his, in his mind. You go, okay, so what do I need to know about Herod? You ready? If you're taking note, jot this down. Here's a man with an unregenerate heart. He's an unregenerate. He's not born again. Nothing has changed in his heart. Herod, and again, my opinion, might have been a man of prayer, he might have known even scriptures. He might have even been part of a religious group in some sense, but he was not, come on church, he was not born again and changed from the inside out. You got to grasp that. Why? Because that's a lot of people in our world today. That's a lot of people in our world today. So we shouldn't sit here and go, oh, whoa, Herod. And nor should we do that with people in the world. We know this is how they're going to act. They're not going to change. They're going to behave how they believe. Now, in Lubbock, Texas, in our beautiful city, there have been some great parents that raised their children proper. And so they're respectful, but it doesn't mean their hearts have changed. You're like, okay, okay. So you've got some good, respectable young men but we're still looking for a heart that's regenerated by the Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where it's changed from the inside out. We have to be careful, church, because a lot of times we'll see a change from the outside in. It's like, let me show you my behavior. Let me show you that I can do this. Let me show you how wonderful. God bless you. How are you? Well, praise God. John 3.16 is one of my favorite verses for God. So low. And outward, we look beautiful. But inward, there's nothing in us. And, and, and this is Herod. This is Herod. This is the guy. Now, let's read it again with that background. Look at verse 1 and 2 real quick. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born? What do they call Jesus? King of the Jews. Uh-oh, for we have seen the star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Okay, right away, that's just like, okay, mm, 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 mm. Why? Because look at his reaction. When Herod, verse 3, heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for trouble because it means to stir, to agitate, to royal water. It's just basically when he heard, he was like, Whoa! it just started to boil up in him right here. So it's like, oh! and he was hostile and paranoid. Can you imagine? Hey, who's, who's coming into town? Oh, it's, it's, it's some wise men. And, and what do they want? Well, they're here looking for Jesus, king of the Jews, king of the Jews, because he was already proclaimed king of the Jews. Whoa, 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 time out. What did you say? Now, he's already cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if you know what I'm saying. He's already mental. And so, I mean, 
you have to be careful. I think this was someone you had to tiptoe around. If Herod asked you a question, you'd probably go, I don't know. What, what, what should I say? <laughs> Long live the king. I mean, I don't, he's just, right? He's going to kill you. Because the Bible says that he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why? The fact that Jerusalem was troubled with Herod is significant. This was due either to the fact that the people of Jerusalem rightly feared, right, or feared, if you will, what sort of paranoid outburst might come from this. Did you hear? Did you hear? In our day and age, we'd be, we'd be tweeting it and, and, and social media. Did you hear, Baron? He said, King of the Jews, we're all going to die. I mean, go home, go home. You know, and, and, and they would just, they would freak. So they're troubled too. They're troubled too. Or they might be troubled with the size of the caravan coming in and wondering, it's like, what is all this about? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What happened? Well, move, move with me to verse 7, guys. Then Herod, what did he do? When he had secretly called the wise men to determine what from them what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Of course, you know, that's, a, that's, that's, that's not Herod. Why is that not Herod? Your attention, please look at me for just a moment. This is a great point of application because everybody would know Herod's character. And if your words don't match who you are, who's lying? Guys, as believers of Jesus Christ, we must work in our character. This is who we are. And character is something you are when nobody's watching. This is who you are. So if somebody looks at you, somebody looks at you and they know your character, but the words are not matching your character, guess what? Oh, oh, come, let me so I can worship him. Yes, I carry it. Come on. Come on. We simply know that about our own administration here in the United States. The words do not match his character. And you can get a glimpse of a little bit of Herod. And so what happened is when they heard the king, they departed and behold, a star which they had seen in the east, it came and it stood over where the young child was. Oh, amazing. And when they saw the star, what did they do? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. If you have a pencil handy, circle that young child because there he is with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, and they were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We read this already, but then they're divinely warned in a dream. Don't go back to Herod. So they departed another way. That would make Herod mad. Can you imagine? He's sitting on his throne going, anybody hear about the wise guys coming? The wise men? <laughs> it's been four days. Anybody? No? No? Uh, what about the watchman in the wall? And so everybody's looking, and it's like, um, I heard that they left. You did What? You know, he's, he's just, you got to understand. I gave you a description of who Herod was because he went from zero to 60 in a matter of boom. I'd hate to be his advisors, you know. Go tell Herod. No, you go tell Herod. No, you go. No, I ain't going to go do it. Go tell him the bad news. I'll tell him the good news. I'm going to tell him the bad news. So what happens, guys? When they left, he went nuts. 
Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother to Egypt, and stay there until I bring word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having that dream? How many of us have got to walk by faith and not by sight? Joseph had to get up and go do this. You want me to take to Egypt? <laughs> not Egypt. Are you sure? Can you imagine telling your wife, hey, pack up the kids. We're going to Egypt. Uh, honey, I know we had pizza last night for dinner, <laughs> and you had a piece at 12. I get that. You must... Are you sure it's the Lord? Maybe we're, because listen, we'll, we'll go to Vegas or, or, or we'll go somewhere. We're not going to Egypt. We'll, we'll, we'll go over to, well, I was going to say Austin, but that's just, a, we're going to say, we're going to go over, you've you got to understand, you've got to put yourself with their, with, I mean, it, but he's got to walk by faith. Can I step on our toes, men? Do I have permission to step on our toes? Say yes or no. We're called to lead our families, men. We're called to lead our families. Spiritually, this is what God has brought us to do. We're to pray over our wives, pray over our families. We're called to lead. Joseph, man, think about this. Joseph had a dream. He knew it was from the Lord. He looked at his wife and his wife, understanding that Joseph was a just and godly man. She came under his authority, not in subjection, as a lower person, do what I say, not as a doormat, but as a man, she comes as a helpmate saying, okay, we go. Men, we have to be men of integrity, men of the word, men that lead our families. I didn't get an amen on that, so I'm not sure. But I see it here. We lead our wives and we lead our families. Not that they're the weaker vessels, they're our helpmate, but God is going to hold you Respond, he's going he's gonna, to, uh, you're accountable for your wife. You're going to stand before her. Okay, what'd you do? Well, <laughs> I played video games. I, no, guys, he's called us to be men. I went to Calvary Chapel. He told me you can play video games. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting way off, but I just, I just see Joseph. Joseph, get up. Let's go. And Mary did. Can I step on the women's toes? Okay, women, if you're married here, let him lead. I know you're smarter. I know you can do it better. I know you're more organized, and I know men are dumb. <laughs> but God has called him to lead. Support him in that. You know the Bible better. He comes to you and goes, hey, honey, look, I, I see this. In and you're like, please, I learned that in Sunday school. It crushes him. Wow, sweetie, that's amazing. And what did the Lord say to you? This is encouraging him. Thank you for leading our family. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being in the word. Thank you for your covering. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just free. That's all. I think the Lord wanted us to know that. Can I get an amen? amen? Look at verse 16 with me. And when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry. And I don't think he was just miffed. <laughs> okay? He was out of control. What did he do? 
he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all his districts, not just Bethlehem, but all around. And he says, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined the wise men. Now, again, here is the reaction to Jesus from Herod. You ready? Hostile, paranoid. What does he do? He gives the command to kill all the male children who were in Bethlehem two years and younger. Can you imagine in the news, right? Jerusalem news, breaking news today. Herod has made a decree that your male children, two years and younger, must be executed. Moms, what would you do? Wow. This guy's nuts. And this guy is the original Grinch, I'm telling you, who tried to steal Christmas. How did he do it? By having all, he didn't know who Jesus was. I'm just going to kill everybody. I'm just going to kill everybody. Can you imagine being that mama who just gave a baby to a little boy? And here come the soldiers. Can you be the mama whose who's, who's little boy is two years old? And here come the soldiers. I'm sure there was mass panic and mass breakout and people were just, why? This guy, Herod, he wanted nothing to do with the Christ child. The very mention of his name, it brought fear, it brought hostility, it brought anger, all of these things. The name of who? Yeah. You go, man, how can I apply this? Well, not much has changed in our world. There are men and women who at the thought of Jesus coming as a baby and growing up and proclaiming the gospel, honestly, they want nothing to do with it. The very people that God created rejected him. The very people. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 11, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If you were to talk, if you were to have coffee with Herod after, you say, dude, what's the matter? Well, that name of Judges, the Jesus, king of the Jews, and just hostile and ugly and awful and evil and paranoid. And if you asked him, he wanted nothing to do with Christ. Now think about it for a moment. You and I will always put ourselves and we have our own limitations in the life we're about to live. Oh, I've got 60, 70, 80 years at best, and I know I'm going to be. Harris thinking, I I don't care what happens as long as it doesn't happen in my lifetime. A lot of people today, listen to me, A lot of people today at the mention of the name of Jesus are hostile, and you know this, and they're paranoid, and they want nothing to do with him. And you, Christian, are going to be under attack for just the fact that you have Emmanuel in you, living in you. You're going to be, that's going to be a fact. You need to grasp this. In the days and weeks and months and years to come, the fact that you are born again follower of Jesus, people who are hostile and negative 
and paranoid towards that name are going to bring their attack on you and me. Our foundation needs to be strong so that we can withhold these attacks. Oh, they won't come in the fact that maybe he's going to kill all the male children and all of that, but they're going to come in the attack where it hurts your pocketbook. You're not going to get the promotions. You're not going to... All of these things that are going to hurt you because you're a Christian. That's the name of Jesus. When you go out... And, and many of us in this room have people who don't have a regenerate heart. This is Herod. Understand where they're coming from. Continue to pray and continue to pray that the Lord softens their heart. Why? Because in 4, B, 4 AD, Herod took his final breath, and I don't think he's in heaven right now. Why would somebody at the name of Jesus be hostile, angry, broken, mad, paranoid, want to go into the place where the presence of Jesus is? That's not heaven to him, is it? That's actually the opposite. But there's another reaction that's a little closer to home. You go, there is. Yeah, this is a more subtle way of keeping Christmas from coming. How so? Look at verse 4. And when they gathered all who? The chief priests, the scribes, and the people together, Herod inquired of them where Christ was to be born. Notice their answer. They said to him, quote, in Bethlehem of Judea. How do you know? Because it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, unquote. This should jump off the pages of Scripture into our hearts. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. The second group of people may not be hostile, may not be angry, may not be paranoid at the name of Jesus, but there's something as equally as deadly as the first. You go, what is it? It's called indifference. Indifference. These were religious people who were indifferent to Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor? These guys that he asked knew where Christmas was going to be born. They had studied the Old Testament. They knew the prophecies. They understood Isaiah 9-6. They understood Micah 5-2. And yet, Listen, we read nowhere in Scripture that these chiefs, chief priests, these scribes, the religious people actually went to Bethlehem. Listen, these men had a head knowledge about the Messiah, the one born king of the Jews, but their heart was indifferent. You guys see that? Wow. How so? No matter the scriptures which declared the Messiah to come, the Savior of the world, these men were more interested in the status quo. I don't want to rock the boat, they said. This is always how we've done it. A good religious man would grow up much like, the, uh, much like Paul did under the teachings of the rabbi. And listen, although they knew God's word, 
It never made the 16 inches from their head to their heart. Wow, it's the same today. It's a little more subtle. You'll get the praise God. You'll get the amen. You can say Jesus and they won't freak out. But they're indifferent to it because of their religious background and lifestyle. Guys, there are many, many religions or religious people, if you will, who don't have a true heart knowledge of who Jesus is. And let me say this to you, just to be clear. There are many people in Calvary chapels today that don't know who Jesus is. And although they've been taught the word of God and taught the word of God and taught the word of God, there's something in their way and difference that's not allowing them to come forward and have a real relationship with God. In every church. And that's what scares me the most. Is Matthew chapter 7 when many say, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, we went to Calvary Chapel. I handed out bulletins. I worked in children's ministry. I, I did this. I vacuumed. I did all this. And he's like, but I never knew you. You acted like you knew me, but we didn't have a relationship. But, 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 but. And they say, Lord, Lord. It's like, I'm pleading with you. And that's what scares me. Why? Because every single Sunday, every single Wednesday that I'm behind this pulpit, I say, please, if you're not, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, please come forth and make that declaration and say yes to him. Yes to him. Let us help you in discipleship. Let us help you in your walk with God. Let us help you. That's the key. That's the key. And that was me many, many years ago. I'll never forget I followed a religious system of our family, and I did it simply for the approval of my father. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when my best friend in a Pentecostal Protestant church invited me, and I'm like, no, and I made these excuses because I was, well, I was entrenched, if you will, and in my upbringing, wasn't even that religious, but that was where I was. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the time when I was sitting on the couch and, and the Jesus movement was moving on and I was, this is all freaked out. And I had gotten saved and my brother, older brother looks at me and goes, are you saved? Like it was a bad thing. And I'm like, no. I was like scared. I was like, of course I was saved, but I denied it. It just scared me. Why? Because my older brother, I mean, no, no, we're saved. We're proud to be saved. We walk with Jesus and we go through hard times and we cling to Jesus and we go through good times and we praise Jesus, but we're always following Jesus, Jesus. Make sure that you don't have a heart of indifference in here. In other words, uh, I could take him or leave him. Uh. I can go to church 365, you know, whatever it might be. I can go to church 52 weeks out of the year. I'm good. And you may never, 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 never know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Make sure you know him. Don't leave here unless you go, man, he's in there. He's in there. Let me give you the third reaction. Go back to verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, who? 
wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, the wise men from the east, who are they? Where he is and who has been born king of the Jews. That's what they say. What are they seeking? They're seeking the God-man who has been born king of the Jews. So what did they do? Well, remember, they saw a star from the east. And basically what it was, he says, the star I give him, this was a heavenly, uh, uh, basically a holy heavenly GPS. Hey, follow the star. And what I love about this star, it doesn't give you bad directions. Do you ever have bad directions on a GPS? Sometimes I do. One time, Pastor Sophie and I were in Florida and we were looking for a Cuban restaurant and we followed the directions and we ended up some, somebody's neighborhood. And I'm like, dude, I don't think there's a restaurant here. He goes, I don't think so either. This is weird. I'm glad for the heavenly. But do you realize that you also have a heavenly, holy heavenly GPS? It's the Holy Spirit inside you. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious about that, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit guides you every step of the way in your walks and in your life. It's in you. And he doesn't say, turn right in 500 feet, your destination. He just guides you. He just guides you. Hey, Ah, I don't want you to go down that path. There's there's some consequences to that. Oh, okay, Lord, thank you. Lord, should we buy this house? Yes. Should we buy this car? No. Should we do this? No. You have that Holy Spirit guiding you. Well, they have the, the they have the star. But I want you to see something, guys. I want you to see. When they have come, what did they do? They've come to worship him, to worship him. That's what they come for. It wasn't so they can just bring him gifts. It wasn't like, oh, it's Christmas. Let's let's exchange gifts. But it was like, we've come to worship him, to worship him. In this Christmas season, may I exhort every one of us to take time to worship Jesus, to worship him. That's what it's all about. And I'm preaching to me. You guys can listen if you want to, because I know at this point, I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out. But it's like, no. And, and, and my brother told me, or somebody told me, I think it was my brother last night. He said, it's going to come no matter what. Right? It's going to come no matter what. <laughs> you can be stressed out about it or not, but it's, it's in here in a week. All right. Everybody's getting bubble gum for Christmas. That's all they're getting, <laughs> bubble gum. Move a little further to verse 10 with me, guys. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly joy. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. And they presented gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think about this, guys. Think about this. Okay, so if you have a pencil handy, here's what you need to see. You need to see that Jesus was probably um, anywhere from six months to three years old. It calls him a young child. And sometimes, guys, when, when we see this, sometimes we go, oh, in our, in, our, in our Christmas pageants, there's the wise men with little baby Jesus, and, and they all came to the stable. They didn't, no, they, they came later. They came later. Wow. What do they do? Notice, they saw Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped. What's that word? Help me, guys. Help me. You got to help me. You're going you're to get something of this. 
and the young child would marry his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. Again, you guys say, some of you are like, hi. Who? Who? Exactly. They didn't worship Mary. Oh, don't say that in church. Mary, man, what an awesome lady. She was chosen by God. She was blessed among women, but they worshiped him. We can't build a religion on, okay, well, listen, if, if you, got, you guys got a problem, you guys got a problem, right? Why don't you go to Mary? Ask Mary, because listen, if you always ask the mom, the mom will go to the son, and, and, and the son has to do what the mom says. That, that was the mentality. Yet Hebrew says that you can go straight to God and go, hey, we have a problem. We can go to a problem. So they worshiped him, okay? They worshiped him, guys, and they give gifts to Jesus. You guys see that? What are the gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, to you and I, we go, okay. I like the gold part, All right? Can you imagine next Sunday night, you're under the tree, you open a box, and it's gold. You're like, yes! Now, it might not come in gold. It might come in dollar bills, you know? You know, it might, a couple of 20s here and there. That's okay. This is different. Why? Because, I mean, I want you to think about this. The first gift they gave Jesus after worship was what? Gold is a type of royalty, kingly in nature. Why? Because they recognize that Jesus is the true king. He's true king. He's the king of kings. Now, I have a grandson that's a little older than two years. I can imagine. Can you, can you imagine? I just think of him as, I mean... Wow. Why? Because yesterday, he got to hang out with Grandpa. And him and I, we decided to walk to the park. And his little hand is just holding on to Grandpa's finger and just walking. And I could imagine that could be Jesus just going. And yet, his destiny is it's like, it's like right now, my grandson's like, Lord, what do you want to do with him? It's amazing. You, you're his whole, but, but Jesus' path was already set. I don't know about you, and I'm going to go off track here. I don't have much time. I only have four minutes. But the other day, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Don't worry. You'll get to the restaurant before the Baptist. Calm down. Everybody breathe. Uh, My little grandson was upset. He was upset, and uh, he didn't want to go to sleep. And so Grandpa got him, and he's, you know, he's just upset visibly upset, and then I put him on my shoulder, and it was late at night, and I was rocking him, and he just fell asleep right here, and he still, and the Lord spoke to me. I felt like that's how I'm with the Lord, and I felt like I was two years old, just wanting to hold on to my Heavenly Father when life gets a little bit hard, when I freak out, just, and he's like, I got you. You know why? Because nothing, I was not going to let anything happen to that little boy. And we're just going to rock. We're just going to rock. We're just going to rock. And I just love that. And I want you, if you're here today and you're struggling, and you feel like you, you feel like little Jesse, man, you're just crying and life is not good and I don't want to go to sleep and da-da-da-da-da, but sometimes you just go, I just need my Heavenly Father. 
Just to hold you. That only took a minute. You guys are good. Gold? Gold was the royalty, right? Frankincense? You guys realize that that was just a beautiful odor? And, and, and I mean, it's just an odor used for worship. So like when you walked into the temple, it's like, ah, oh, this smelled good. But it was also that of, of, of prayer. It was this incense. And it jumped out at me because it means that Jesus' life was a life marked of prayer. Prayer. And then they gave him myrrh. That's an interesting one. Myrrh is used with two types. Number one, it was used for incense in worship, but it was also used as an embalming fluid for death. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You have your little kid, Jasper's, Jasper's four. We went to see Tiffany when he was what? Can you imagine? Here you go, Tiffany. Here, Adam. What is that? Embalming fluid. They'd be like, you're out of our lives. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right? Why would you give a... Oh, because his death is significant. It's going to save us from ourselves. This is way back. This is the gospel. We have the reaction of Jesus paranoid. We have the reaction indifferent, but this should be our reaction, guys. What is it? Faith and worship. The wise men, the magi, came to worship Christ by faith. Why? Because Jesus was was just a baby, a child, yet by faith they worshiped him. You know, on their way back, they weren't thinking, dude, you worshiped a kid. You bowed down before a child. They didn't say that to each other. What is wrong with you? We worship kings. He goes, no, he is the king. It was by faith. Why? Because they knew in their heart that Jesus filled that emptiness, and a natural byproduct is what? Worship. And it's the same for you. You might ask, how do I know? Because the Holy Spirit prompts you in your heart when you're filled with him to worship him. Why? Well, Christmas for us is all about faith and worship of Jesus. Opening the wonderful gift to his salvation. But more than that, church, listen to me. Walking in love, engaging in the relationship with God who created me. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. Okay, as we close. We learned that Herod was the Grinch who really tried to steal Christmas. Wanted to kill everybody. He wanted Jesus killed, as well as bringing pain and misery to all the families whose children were killed. There are many people who are just like Herod, wrapped up in themselves, and they want nothing to do with Jesus. Now listen closely. There are some very vocal about it, and some dislike the way they're living, and therefore don't want to see Jesus come in and invade their space. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need him. Good for you. And we learned of another group. What group is that? They're the religious indifferent group who know a lot about Jesus but don't have a life-changing, intimate relationship with him. And then we learned about the last group, those who knew and came to worship him by faith, even as a young child. They put their faith and trust in him. And here's my question for you, Calvary. Have you put your faith and trust in him? In him.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord. Wow, so much in the scripture, Lord. And we didn't even scratch the surface. But Lord, what's more important is that everyone here knows you and you know them and their sins are forgiven and they're not riddled with guilt and they have and they're walking with you but lord maybe today they're not maybe you've brought them here to hear the good news the gospel that you've died for them and that you've got a plan for them and they're tired of living in guilt and shame and pain and they're tired of being hostile towards Jesus. And right now you're knocking on their heart and, you're, and, and you want them to say yes to you. Lord, I don't know who they are. My prayer is that everyone in this room, everyone watching us on Facebook, everyone listening to us via podcast or radio would have a relationship with you. But if they don't, I never want to leave a time, a meeting, a service without giving you an opportunity. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, you might be here today and in your heart goes pitter-patter, pitter-patter. You ask yourself, do I have that relationship that Ben was talking about? Ask the Lord that. Do I have that relationship? Are you, are you and I walking together? Are you living in me, God? And if the answer is no, then he's going to prompt you today to make that commitment. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? You have to make a commitment today before God that you're going to choose to follow him. That you put your faith and trust in him. I knew it. I have to join the church. No, you don't have to join this church. We want you to join the family of God, but that's up to you. God loves you so much, but he's never going to force himself on you. All he's going to do is stand with his arms open wide, but you've got to say yes to him. Okay, Pastor, how do I say yes to him? How? Well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you simply to lift up your hand. Whoa, 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 why do I have to lift up my hand? Because this is a serious commitment that God wants to see your heart. And if you lift up your hand, I'll see you, I'll pray for you, I'll say God bless you, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. But nobody's going to force you today. It's between you and the Lord. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just ask the Lord right now, Lord, where am I with you? Am I right with you? And then you say, yes, say, you go, amen. If you're not right, if you're not right, then you go, okay, Lord, then I need to, I need to raise my hand. If you've prayed this prayer over, and you're just feeling the conviction of your life, this is not a salvation issue. You need to repent in that life, but it's not a salvation. I'm talking about a salvation issue. So if you've given your life here before, you prayed that prayer, you're really trying to walk with God, then we can talk on a different level of discipleship, but this is, are you right with God? So do me a favor, with every eye closed and every head bowed, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Are you right with God? If not, would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. Would you do that right now? Just lift up your hand so I can see you and I can pray for you. I'm just going to give you a minute. Is there anyone here today that God is speaking? God bless you. God bless you in the back. I see you. 
over to my right. Anyone else? Anyone else? Again, just ask the Lord. He'll give you. He'll tell you. Am I right with you, Lord? Am I right with you? Do I have a relationship with you? Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be right with God today. That's why I'm here. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're moving in your Holy Spirit, that you knock on people's heart and you speak to them. I thank you and I lift him and I, I pray a hedge of protection around all those who are saying yes to you today. And I ask God that you would do, continue to work at Calvary, continue to work in their lives. If you raised your hand and you said, Pastor, pray for me, I really want to know, would you just pray this prayer? Would you pray something like this? Just make sure it comes from your heart. You're going to talk about your confession. Lord, I am a sinner and I need a savior. Lord, I have blown it so many times, God. I need you. Lord, if I'm being honest, I haven't believed in you the way I need to. But today, I see the light. I believe that you died on that cross for me. I believe there's no way to get to heaven except through you. I believe you were buried and you rose again from the grave. And I need help, God. So I'm asking you, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We love you. I'll just ask you to do one thing. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, I want you to tell someone. You can tell me on the way out. You can say, man, I prayed that prayer. I'm saved. And we can get you plugged in. We can get you prayer. We can get you a Bible, whatever you need. But know this, by faith, according to the word of God, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are now saved. And you're part of the family. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.